Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. It ain't the left side or the right side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side here with Kat and Paul. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat on I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter, and Paul is fanatic underscore pick. That's fanatic with the ph. We are joined here previewing the. Miami Dolphins-Buffalo Bills matchup. The Bills are favored by six points heading into this Sunday. We are joined here by Nick Woten, managing editor editor from the Bills Wire. Nick, thanks for joining us here tonight. Of course, anytime, guys. I always like coming on with you. That's good. Well, taking a look at the Bills roster, you know, we we talked a few weeks ago. The the arrow was still pointing up for the Bills. Obviously, they they drop a 19-16 game last week uh, to the Cleveland Browns, but overall still six and three on the year and a potential for the playoffs. So what's the feeling there in Buffalo right now? Um, I think it's a little bit of concern, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, if you think a few weeks ago, the Bills, they, they, they won by 10 against the Dolphins, but of course that took a pretty wild onside kick that we haven't seen in like maybe a decade to go up by 10. So that combined with, okay, we just lost to the Cleveland Browns which uh, we, the Bills actually were not favored in that game. Uh, the betting line was in favor of Cleveland, but still, records aside, you look at it, the Bills went in with a winning record, 6-2 uh, and two to 2-6, two and six, and now uh, they're 6-3. and three. Combined again, but the Dolphins are on a two-game winning streak, of course, which is not what I expected to be talking about uh, coming back on with you guys right now, to be honest with you. But um, I've, a lot of concern, I guess. A lot of things yeah. considered, a lot of concern. Yeah. So what about uh, what about Josh Allen uh, now here is is the you know, obviously he's a player that was monitored closely as progress from year one to year two. Now he's really gaining ownership of the quarterback position and the team in general heading into to season two. Any real difference in, in the thoughts on this guy from when we talked a couple of weeks ago when the Dolphins and Bills played? Yeah, the the one thing that's definitely different about him, which I believe this started against maybe you guys, um, he hasn't he's he's finally stopped turning the ball over. 
Um, of course, that's now kind of being brought in with a, you're not taking any risks. Of course, the life of an NFL quarterback, he's, he, what are you doing for me lately? Well, you're not giving the ball away, but you're also not putting any touchdowns in over the, uh, over the top, over in the air. Uh, still rushing in plenty of touchdowns, but um, that's kind of the feeling on him. So it's kind of a little bit of a give and take with him. We're happy that he's not giving the ball away. But, of course, we want to see a little bit more in the air, a little bit more dialing up. He's dropped down to maybe about 50% completion rating in the last couple of weeks. Uh, that's where he was as a rookie. Prior to that, he was a little bit more. Um, this season, he's at about 58 59%, up from 52% as a rookie. So, really, it's it's the, the tale of two, two Joshes, I guess, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Great. He's not throwing the ball to the other team. But also, if we could throw it to our guys in the end zone, that'd be great, too. And Josh Allen last year against the Dolphins had 135 yards rushing in a game, 95 in the other. And this past time against us, he had 32 yards. So I'd imagine the more he could keep the ball there on the ground, then it's going to minimize the risk and and assist the Bills in moving the ball down the field a little bit more. And another guy that helps with that, too, is is Devin Singletary. You know, last time we talked, Frank Gore was – really the clear-cut starter, partially because I believe Devin Singletary was hurt at that time. But over the last three weeks here, uh, or excuse me, over the last two weeks, Singletary has has carried the ball about two to three times more than Frank Gore has. Is it safe to say that he's really the main bell cow, or do you see the snaps being divided evenly in this game? Um, I, I would probably guess that you're going to see a couple more for Singletary, uh, as you mentioned. That's kind of been the trend lately. And that's sort of been something where, as you mentioned, Singletary was hurt before, and everyone has kind of been on this feel-good story with Frank Gore. But there's been so many flashes where even in the beginning of the year, I think the first game or two, I want to say two weeks of the season, uh, Singletary played alongside Gore. And it was really even if Gore was getting more touches, more more carries, I mean, Singletary was the guy where he'd, he'd make somebody miss in a phone booth, he, he, running through the t- – and he's a five foot seven guy, too. Pro Football Focus has him graded as consistently one of their best pass blockers. Um, just he, he can really do it all, it seems. And it seems like the guy the, – the Bills, excuse me, might have hit, hit on a guy in the third round here that can really be a, a good running back for years to come because he can take it outside, screen game. He, there's really a lot he can do. Um, and, and hopefully he can keep it up. But, of course, still, Frank Gore still that feel-good story. And, um, mm-hmm. they're kind of using him as their goal line back now at this point. So that's yeah, we, we and we certainly know that firsthand after watching Gore play here in Miami last year. But over the last two weeks, Devin Single Devin Singletary 28 carries for 137 yards, 4.9 yards a carry. Frank Gore 16 carries for 27 yards, 1.69 yards a carry. But then again, Gore is also getting a lot of those those short yardage types of carries, like you alluded to. Uh, yeah, and just, that actually might be somewhere that the Dolphins might be able to exploit the Bills too. I should mention that Gore is also, and it's not, of course, short yardage situations are not just on the running back. It's a big time on the offensive line too, and the Bills haven't been great on those short yardage situations either. So that might be somewhere where the Dolphins, if they can get a push up the middle there, they could they could you know get the Bills offense off the field. And I know that right tackle, uh, Ty Nasicki, did not practice yesterday. And Cody Ford, unless something different has come up at the time of this recording, is going to be starting there at right tackle. So, uh, you know, a lot of not not really any big names along the Bills' offensive line like there may have been a couple years ago with like a Cordy Glenn. So where do you see the, the strengths and the weak links in, in the Bills' offensive line right now? 
Yeah, certainly the left side of their line is doing a lot better than the right side of their line. Um, you have Deion Dawkins at left tackle. He was their second, third round pick a few years ago, uh, I think in 2017. Uh, he's been pretty solid. Um, I think Pro Football Focus has him as their top rated guy. Quentin Spain came in kind of out of nowhere. Um, I mean, the Bills completely have a new, other than Deion Dawkins, there's four new guys. Uh, Quentin Spain at left guard, I think him and Deion Dawkins are working well next to each other. And when Deion Dawkins had Richie Incognito next to him there a few years ago, uh, he really thrived. So, so that left side of the line can do well for the Bills when they had when they have someone, you know, capable next to Deion Dawkins. Mitch Morse, uh, he was the big spending guy. They wanted to get a big guy in the middle. He's been okay. Uh, I mean, no really glaring errors. So I guess that's kind of what you want to see with an offensive lineman. Uh, the right side of their line is certainly, as you mentioned, at right tackle is the big one. Cody Ford's been – he's had his rookie struggles for sure. He was supposed to be a first-round pick. Bills created back up in the second round to get him. Ty Naseki, he's actually been a little bit better, a little bit more consistent, I'd say. Um, longtime swing tackle for the uh, for the Redskins. Uh, just kind of a steady guy. But the Bills really, they're, they're doing a big um, – they're, they're switching these guys in. They're basically splitting snaps almost 50-50 right down the middle between Ty Naseki and Cody Ford. And really, neither of them have grabbed that starting role. I mean, the Bills, of course, I think would want Cody Ford to be that guy, but he just hasn't done it yet. Yeah, absolutely, and it's Cody Ford is a player that we were certainly looking at here. I mean, really as high as 13th overall, you know, and then he ended up falling, 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 and they yep. have Ed Oliver fall to him in the first and Cody Ford fall to him in the second, which are the exact two picks I wanted for the Dolphins at the time. So it makes, <laughs> makes me feel a little better. He's struggling, no offense. but uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, uh, not to get off topic here, but uh, we mentioned Singletary doing well, their third-round pick. Austin Knox, another third-round pick. He's doing pretty well. Um, Ed Oliver, I mean, he's he's lost his starting spot. Cody Ford can't get in the lineup, so it's really the Bills' third-round rookies that are they're the, the class of their rookie class right now. Interesting. And and staying on, we'll get to the defense with Oliver in just a second. They, it, as far as the wide receivers and tight ends are concerned, you know, I, looking at the targets and and the yards on the year, it looks like three clear guys are emerging, and that's John Brown's on his way to a really good year. He was a, a fantastic signing for them. Uh, and then Cole Beasley has 39 catches for 411 yards. And uh, Dawson Knox, as well, is is getting the lion's share of the, the catches there at tight end. Something like, I think Allen had 28 of 28 possible targets to the wide receivers and tight ends last week. Knox, Brown, and Cole Beasley got 23 of them. So it, 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 do you think that's going to stay pretty standard throughout the rest of the year? You think he's found his top three targets there? Certainly, at least with Brown and Beasley. I mean, uh, last week was a little bit more of what I thought we were going to be seeing with Cole Beasley. Uh, the three games prior, starting against the Dolphins, I actually believe, if my math is correct, he, he scored three games in a row. His first three scores is a Buffalo Bill. But he had, I think combined, I did I did the math as a, a great journalist would, he had like 90 or 80 or 90 yards catching combined in those three games. But he, had, but he scored. That's great. Mm-hmm. He expects Cole Beasley to get more targets, more looks get more of those short yardage plays. Um, and you mentioned John Brown. I mean, he's been the best Bills wide receiver, geez, I don't know, uh, maybe since Lee Evans back in the day, and he never really had a good quarterback. So, I mean, Eric Moulds maybe. It's been He's one of the only two guys for the longest time. I think this is still a, a consistency a, a record, if you will, right now, that he has uh, at least 50 yards receiving in every game this year. And I think only one other guy had that, and I think John Brown still has it. He's just steady as it goes. Somehow, some way, he every week is, is making a play, and it's great. It's great. The Bills have 
mean, you guys see us twice a year, every year. The Bills are never really sporting anyone threatening. I mean, we thought we had it with Sammy Watkins, but, you know, not so fast there. Yeah, and Lee Evans was incredible in that he w- I remember one game against the Dolphins, uh, I think it was 2005, he had what, 150 yards and three touchdowns in the first quarter, and then I don't, I'm not sure he had to catch the rest of the game. And he, having him on your fantasy football team was maddening because he'd go from one catch to nine yards to eight catches for 200. So yeah, <laughs> at yeah, least John yeah. Brown's a little more consistent there. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. You mentioned Knox, too. He's, he's Interestingly, when Tyler Croft came back in the lineup a few weeks ago, um, Tyler Croft was getting, I guess, in terms of uh, snap counts. He was the starter. He was getting more snaps. And now it, went right, it almost went right back to Dawson Knox. So they're seeing more out of, to your point, they're seeing more out of Dawson Knox than, than the veteran they're hoping for out of Tyler Croft. So that might end up being a, a little bit of a one-year experiment with Tyler Croft and, and Buffalo because Dawson Knox is, is looking really well. Yeah, interesting guy there. He's in, in the passing game. Did not catch a pass, a touchdown pass at Ole Miss in his entire college career. Yeah. Goes in the third round, and he was actually supposed to go a little bit higher. But he, he's certainly been a good, a good weapon out there. I, I see some similarities between he and Mike Gesicki in the passing game, and, and what they bring to both, both of the offenses here. Uh, so, looking at the defensive side of the ball too, you mentioned Ed Oliver and. Uh, the rest of the defensive line too, and in terms of pressuring the quarterback, I think the the biggest, the two biggest things that Dolphins fans will take a look at the stat sheet and the depth chart and think is a why is Ed Oliver not starting, and number two, how does Jordan Phillips have six sacks and leads the team, and the second guy only has two and a half with Jerry Hughes. Yeah, yeah, great questions, guys. I wish I knew the perfect answer for you. <laughs> um, expected. Um, I mean, the only time Ed Oliver got a sack so far, he came in as a pass rushing specialist in the middle. Of course, he came from Houston, so maybe he's, you know, getting a little bit of a rookie bump. He didn't come from, you know, in Alabama, which is essentially a pro team playing college, of course. Um, so maybe a little bit of a, 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 a learning curve for him. I think Jordan Phillips maybe brings in a little bit more as a run defender, too. But he does have three sacks in one game. Uh, so that's worth pointing out, which is, you know, great. We'll take that. Um, so half of his sacks came in one game. But, um, yeah, he's just, he's just been a big, pleasant surprise. I mean, Ed Oliver only had a sack on a wide receiver. I think that was against you guys, wasn't it? Uh, it was, it was a, yes. Yeah, it that was, was the only thing. First, first Dolphins offensive player of the game. It was actually yeah, on a wide receiver, Albert Wilson. Yeah, Albert Woods. I, I was going to say Wilson or Parker. I couldn't remember who it was. But, yeah, that was, that's Ed Oliver's only sack of his of his rookie career so far is against the wide receiver. So he's technically never sacked a quarterback before. So um, I think that is what the Bills are going with, which is going to be different than kind of what you guys have seen under Sean McDermott in the last couple of years, is their running attack – or running defense, pardon me. Really, it's, it's been the catalyst the last couple of weeks. I mean, you got – the Bills were lucky last week to only lose by three, to be honest, because it wasn't that they started wrapping Nick Chubb up. Freddie Kitchens just stopped giving Nick Chubb the ball at, after he had 85 yards in the first half. He ended up going over 100, but it was, you know, mind-blowing for a Browns fan, I bet, because to run the ball against this Bills uh, defensive line. What they're trying to do is the Bills usually get a big rotation in there, but now the starters are getting about 70 to 75% of the snaps in the defensive line. So the Bills are really trying to experiment with things. So you're, you'll probably see a lot of Jerry Hughes, uh, Jordan Phillips, Starlo Tulier, and Trent Murphy uh, Trent Murphy's been good against the run, hasn't really done much of anything else. Starla Tule is a, a lightning rod here because he's got the second highest cap hit, and a lot of folks are, you know, he's supposed to be the space eater. Hey, you're supposed to be the guy who's, you know, taking up blockers so we can get the running back in the backfield. He's not really doing that. Jordan Phillips is the surprising candidate of the year. Everyone's wondering if we're going to be able to bring him back now. 
Uh, and Kerry Hughes is he's the steady as a go guy. Guy, he, I mean, he he really only thrived in Buffalo when Mario Williams was playing across from him. Um, so that that's kind of the mo on the four starters there for you. Well, if Jerry Hughes is looking for a breakout game, he is going up against Jamarcus Webb at left tackle, who's been nothing short of atrocious. I mean, think of a worse version of of Jordan Mills playing left tackle. And <laughs> well, got, we know that. <laughs> yes, you've got you've got Jamarcus Webb there. Obviously, the strength of the Bills team in general is uh, that combination with Tremaine Edmonds, a middle linebacker, and um, their sec combined with that secondary. I mean, the last game of Ryan Fitzpatrick did surprisingly throw for a lot of yards, but the Dolphins also had two big power forwards on the outside with Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. Preston Williams is actually going to be is out for the rest of the year, as you know. Yep. And now, do you, do you see Tredavious White getting lined up more on Devontae Parker throughout this game, or do you see White staying on his side of the field? Um, that's a good question. Um, it seems like that's always a weekly plan for the Bills, um, <clears throat> depending on the, the team they're playing. Um, I would guess uh, with the discrepancy without Preston Williams, um, you'll probably see Tredavious White following him around. Um, in recent weeks, we saw um, the Redskins rookie Terry McLaurin. Uh, Tredavious White locked him down last week. Uh, OBJ, he had a, a decent stat line, maybe like four catches for like 50 yards or something like that. But he also had about 12, 13 targets. So all things considered, Trey White did a really good job against him. So I'd probably guess that. But I would also expect that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be looking Levi Wallace's way uh, quite a bit, our second cornerback here in Buffalo, because he's kind of struggled the last few weeks. Yeah, I, I've noticed that too. And Trey White is having, on the other side, is having just a monster year. And in the first matchup, I mean, I, I'd even argue that if Tredavious White doesn't strip Preston Williams and, and the Bills get the ball deep in Dolphins territory, and then he also intercepts a pass a couple drives before that. Uh, on the 16th play of a, of a 16 play drive, yep. Dolphins may end up winning that game, um, or at least could, could come down to the wire on that. So it, a huge year for Tredavious White uh, at, at cornerback, and also they've got the safeties Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. So um, what, what do you think the the Bills need to do here to to win this game against the Dolphins? I think they need to convince everyone, starting with themselves, that they're at least competent on offense um, this week. Um, you know, uh, Sean McDermott is Mr. Process. He's Mr. Culture. He's Mr. Kind of what you guys are seemingly installing with Brian Flores down there. Um, he got he got pushed a little bit in his press conference, and it wasn't a I wrote it up as it wasn't a Herm Edwards. You know, you play to win the game. It wasn't a Dennis Green. We all what they thought they were, but I mean, he was asked. You know, what's your overall level of frustration with the offense? And he he was asked. He started getting annoyed. What What do you mean? more specific and he was just like well I want to score points simply put and just like left that was the press conference it ended after about eight nine minutes um didn't slam his fist didn't get angry but for him that was that was getting angry you know what I mean so right I, right I, I I think the biggest thing in this game for the Bills is you know what your defense is going to have I mean it would be nice to to slow the running attack down I think we know it's going to happen against us at this point that you guys are going to run the ball a bit um fully confident in that secondary. I mean, the Bills are still the third best defense overall in the NFL in terms of yards allowed. Their run defense has just slipped, slipped, slipped. I think they're down to 23rd, but their pass defense is so good that it's just keeping them afloat in the overall ranking. So I think we got to see something from Josh Allen in this game. Uh, still no 300-yard games. That's that's yeah. the big thing on Bill's Twitter. Uh, <laughs> the analytical numbers, oh, they're, he's doing what they're asking of him, but 
you know, Daniel Jones had a 300-yard game real quick, and now he's on to multiple of them. So, and everyone was laughing about him being drafted. So, what, what's going on here, Josh? Right, right. And it's yeah, him finding that balance between, you know, being able to take off and run as well as, as completing a higher percentage of his passes is, is where he needs to be. Because you brought up a great point that, you know, last year he had somewhere around 52, 53% completion. This year he was in the 60s up, up until I think this past week where I think he's 59-9 now. But, you know, it's if, if, he, can, if he can have those wheels and he can have over 60% completion percentage, I, I think that's where he needs to be long term. Oh yeah, absolutely. To, to to maintain that that threat as a passer, I mean that's going to be that's going to be his career right there. I, I mean we we can see he can run, and um, he's not you know the the Lamar Lamar Jackson of the world where he's just going to do a ridiculous spin move and break my ankle sitting on my couch at home uh, when he went around those fancy defenders. But uh, he can run the ball. We we get it. Uh, he can get it in enough short yardage situations. I would even bet that he's better than Lamar Jackson in, in certain aspects of running, but. I mean, with the arm, I mean, we we, we still got to see it here. Um, a, a, a lot of folks have actually been arguing this week, a guy you guys are very well aware of, um, Tyrod Taylor. I mean, simply put, Tyler, Tyrod Taylor's numbers comparatively in its last uh, 20 starts, um, they're just slightly better than Josh Allen's passing the ball. And the Bills got rid of Tyrod Taylor. Why? Because oh, he could only run the ball. Well, you, you just replace Tyrod Taylor with Tyrod Taylor then. Tyrod Taylor wasn't playing the Dolphins every week. That was the problem. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did save it for them. That, that's for sure. Uh, so I will tell you this: uh, looking at the Bills' schedule, you know they're they're six and three right now. They'll be seven and three if if they beat the Dolphins here, and then they've got the Broncos at home the week after, and they've got the Jets in the final week of the season at home in Buffalo. I, I'll tell you, I I think this is the game where you're, where Bills fans are going to look back and say. That Dolphins game in week 12, or excuse me, week 11 is, is where we either made the playoffs or didn't make the playoffs. Because I think that that's going to end up being the difference between nine wins and 10 wins. But what's your prediction on this game here? I couldn't, I, I, I honestly I could not agree more. I think this is going to be somehow, some way, this is a, a must have been game for the Bills against the Dolphins, which a few weeks ago, who would have thought they were saying that? Um, but my prediction for this one, I think I'll. I'll go with the Bills in a very, very similar game as last time. If you want to put a score on it, maybe, you know, I know it was 31-21 last time, maybe like 30-20 again, somewhere really similar to that because I see the Bills just letting them – their MO all season is let them hang around, let them hang around, let them hang around. And I can just see that we know Ryan Fitzpatrick very well up here and he's going to make you guys hang around. (laughs) It's simply put, honestly, we love the guy up here and – Kind of like you're alluding to with Frank Gore, how we got our taste of him. Well, we've had our taste of this, and we know why you guys probably love him too, just diving headfirst at every time he runs the ball and uh, somehow always getting up. Uh, he's like the only quarterback that's allowed to do it because he never gets hurt doing it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be a close one again. Uh, like 30-20, somewhere around there, maybe you know, 28-20, around that area. I think the Bills are going to let the Dolphins hang around, though, and there's going to be a lot of people on the regular seats up in western New York. And that will do it for our breakdown of the Miami Dolphins-Buffalo Bills matchup with Nick Woten, managing editor of the Bills Wire. And, Nick, uh, tell them where, where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, and that's uh, appreciate that. I'm at, uh, at underscore Nick, W-O-J as in Jack, T-O-N. And if that's a little bit hard to spell for you guys, because I know it is, because every telemarketer I've ever heard in my life, 
at the Bills Wire is a lot easier for you. And you can find Paul and I. Um, I'm Brian Cat NFL. He is Paul is fanatic underscore pick. That's fanatic with a ph. And you can find us on the Fin side on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the Fin side. So, D, take us out. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the Fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the Fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.